Okay, pop quiz. What is a legal medical procedure that's performed roughly 1.6 million times a year in the United States, but still seems to rather terrify and scandalize Hollywood? Tell me you don't want him to get an A word. Yes, I do, and I won't say it for little baby ears over there, but it rhymes with shmushmortion. That's right, abortion. One in three women in the United States will get an abortion at some point in her life. But in our pop culture and in our politics, talking about abortion is often still verboten. In recent years, though, there's been a big shift in the way we talk about abortion, both in politics and in pop culture. People who've had abortions have been able to share their stories widely on social media. Though, of course, they've faced a lot of pushback and some virulent hatred. Real people sharing their stories about this common and sadly still controversial procedure is helping change mainstream conversation about reproductive rights in a big way. And it's helping change our pop culture, too. In the last two years, we've seen several films and TV shows that center on characters who get abortions and presents their experiences in a non-judgmental way. From the sweet Lily Tomlin movie, Grandma. I need $600, 630. For what? I'm pregnant. To the surreal, bizarre world of Netflix comedy BoJack Horseman. But has the concept of women having choices gone too far? We've assembled this diverse panel of white men in bow ties to talk about abortion. Gentlemen. Tom, this is not just a woman's issue. I'm a man, but if I got pregnant, would I put my life on hold for a child I didn't want? Yes, I would. And I can say that with confidence because I will never have to make that decision. So how are films and TV shows telling stories about abortion? And how are those stories changing over time? Come and sit next to me, faces lit by a screen. There's probably nobody who studies the intersection of abortion and pop culture more than Gretchen Sisson. Hi, I'm Gretchen Sisson. I'm a sociologist at Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health, which is part of the OBGYN department at the University of California at San Francisco. Is it... I, I think that job title is so surprising. It's surprising to me that an OBGYN has like a sociological research arm. Yes, we have um, ANSWER, which is Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health, which is just a, a really impressive acronym in and of itself. Um, <laughs> we're uh, all different social scientists. So obviously I'm a sociologist. Um, we have demographers, epidemiologists, public health scholars. Um, so it's a really multidisciplinary um, social science group. Gretchen and her collaborators spend a lot of their day at the office doing what we'd all probably like to be doing at the office, sitting at our desks, watching TV. It's mostly just us watching Netflix at our desks. Um, Sometimes when I'm working late, you know, I'll be on Amazon Prime at home. But, you know, it's not actually that fun. As sociologists, they're watching TV while also filling out a massively detailed spreadsheet. They note every detail about how TV shows and films portray abortions and abortion providers. I'll go back and, and watch and rewatch. And we're kind of, we're coding for really everything that we think will be of you know analytical interest. So we'll focus first on the character. So who's getting the abortion? Why is she thinking about getting the abortion? Has she given reasons? Do we know why she's made this choice? 
How old is she? What is her racial, ethnic background? Since 2012, the team at Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health has been poring over every single movie and TV show that's ever been made in the United States that has a storyline dealing with abortion. But there's often something interesting and intriguing and new and positive about a scene. And there's also often something that we can frame as maybe being unrealistic or maybe could be a little bit more nuanced or could be a little bit better. Because abortion is so stigmatized, many people don't know that they know someone who's had an abortion. Uh, Many people don't hear real-life abortion stories. So the fictional stories that we see on television might become especially important in forming your idea of what abortion care looks like, how safe it is, who gets abortions, why they get abortions. They have found some really interesting patterns. That's what we're going to explore on today's show. Just a brief spoiler alert, we're going to talk about abortion as a plotline in the show's Scandal, Bojack Horseman, Call the Midwife, House of Cards, and Grey's Anatomy. Anyway, first off, one of the big patterns that the sociological researchers found is that TV shows and films typically present abortion as way more dangerous than it actually is. Uh, The mortality rate directly associated with the abortion procedure was about 10%. Um, And that's going back, like I said, to to films 100 years ago. So there's a couple things going on there. One is that abortion used to be more dangerous than it is today. But uh, abortion is, is still more risky on television than it is in real life. In the United States, says Gretchen. There are more deaths from abortion on TV than there are deaths in real life from abortion, even though there are over a million abortions happening in real life and maybe only 30 to maybe 40 max happening on television. Gretchen is quick to point out that just because a TV show shows an abortion that winds up leading to infection or death, that doesn't mean the storyline itself is anti-choice. A lot of these shows are set in a time period when abortion was illegal, and so women had to resort to dangerous options. One One of my favorite shows is called The Midwife, right? And that show has dealt with abortion many times, and it often deals with it in a way that's quite dangerous. For example, you see a woman self-inducing an abortion using a coat hanger, um, and then having a hemorrhage and needing a hysterectomy and being hospitalized. Or you have a woman going to an unsafe provider um, who also lapses into a coma after that abortion. You see these extremely graphic, dangerous abortions on this show. But again, these are this is in a setting where abortion was illegal. So maybe the viewer watches those and gets this idea that abortion is quite dangerous. Maybe they watch that and it reinforces the idea that abortion must be legal in order to be safe and that it is much safer today. So we can't say that by including a dangerous abortion that a a content creator is trying to say that abortion is dangerous today. But to get back to that point that people don't have that real life comparison point the on-screen stories become important. If we see over and over again that women are dying from abortions on TV, they're dealing with infertility, they're dealing with depression, they're committing suicide after they have an abortion. If we see that over and over again, then it almost doesn't matter sort of what the intent is behind that story if we don't see a wider range of outcomes. This is the case in classic movie Dirty Dancing. I've been waiting for so long Now While it's most famous for its final dance sequence, Dirty Dancing is also about the trouble of obtaining an abortion during an era when the procedure was illegal. 
Dirty Dancing was the first time that many people saw abortion actually being discussed on screen. And I forget how old I was when I watched Dirty Dancing, but I know that I did not know what the phrase knocked up meant. Uh, my mom had to explain that to me. I think I was, I think I was 11 or 12. It was a very big deal that I was getting to watch Dirty Dancing with my mom. And she had to explain uh, what was happening. I didn't understand that they were talking about abortion. Um, and, and my mom being the feminist mom that she is, uh, did did have to fill me in on some details. I mean, I think Dirty Dancing holds up in a really interesting way. I mean, the entire plotline of this film is about sort of the, the characters rallying around Penny to help her access her abortion. I mean, that's the driving motivation is how is how is she going to pay for this abortion? How can we get our money? How can we get her off of work? How can we cover for her? Baby has to learn these dance. I mean, that that's really what's behind all of this character development. And no one ever really questions that decision or that that right, even though it was set in the 60s. It was illegal at the time that the story is set. He didn't use no ether, nothing. I thought you said he was a real MD. The guy had a dirty knife and a folding table. I could hear her screaming in the hallway, and I swear to God, Johnny, I tried to get in. I tried. One other pattern that Gretchen's team found was that the characters who get abortions on TV shows or in films don't reflect the reality of who actually seeks an abortion in real life. One of the patterns that we've really seen is that the characters seeking abortion are pretty homogenous. So um, we, they're overwhelmingly white. They are, the, the characters that are seeking abortion on TV are even whiter than all the characters on TV. So like we see this pattern of young, white, um, middle-class, upper-class women getting abortions on television. That's fine. There are plenty of real-life women who meet those criteria getting abortions in this country. But the problem becomes that we're missing the stories about women of color. That's part of why an episode of Scandal from the past season was particularly noteworthy. On the episode, Capitol Hill insider Olivia Pope, played by Kerry Washington, is shown in a hospital gown and hairnet getting an abortion. While Scandal is, of course, all about drama and intrigue, the scene isn't played as if it's a juicy bit of gossip. The camera is on Olivia Pope's face as the audience is left to wonder what she's thinking and how she's feeling. When her team analyzed that scandal scene, says Gretchen, they thought a lot about every detail. It was very matter of fact. It was the first time we'd seen a woman of color um, who was a primary protagonist on a show going and getting an abortion. Um, she didn't agonize over this. It was framed sort of within a, a bigger political conversation in the episode. So all of those things are really interesting and really new and in some ways really groundbreaking. Um, but then the, oh, and they showed the abortion on screen. They showed the abortion actually happening. Um, a lot of shows will cut away right before the procedure begins um, or they'll you know only show part of the scene. We actually showed, we actually saw the doctor, you know, turning on the aspiration machine, performing the abortion, that was very new. That was very radical, right? So we have all of these really interesting, groundbreaking things about this one scene. But at the same time, she's, she's in um, a surgical center or an operating room with a hairnet on, right? Most abortions in this country don't look like that. Um, and so there are political implications there, right? We might think that this abortion is a major surgery because it's taking place in a surgical center. 
you know, the parallels between that and what's going, what was recently happening, what was happening at the time this episode aired um, with the ambulatory surgical center requirement in Texas and the fact that they were trying to legislate that abortions had to take place in these surgical centers. Scandal is one of several extremely popular shows crafted by showrunner Shonda Rhimes, who has made clear that having characters get abortions is an important part of her work on TV. Her characters on medical dramas Private Practice and Grey's Anatomy deal with all sorts of other medical procedures. Why not abortion? Shonda Rhimes includes abortions in many of her shows. Um, and she's on the, the board of directors of the Planned Parenthood of Los Angeles. I mean, she, um, she's very clearly committed to this issue as an advocate and as a, as a producer. Probably the most talked about abortion storyline and TV in recent years came from Shondaland show Grey's Anatomy. In the eighth season of the show in 2011, Dr. Christina Yang, who's played by Sandra Oh, decides to have an abortion. Her partner is against it and is angry when she chooses to go through with the abortion. She didn't have the abortion. She wants to and she can't do it because of you, because she loves you. And instead of loving her, you're punishing her. For what? For being the woman that you fell in love this with? Isn't any of your business. Okay, do you know what will happen to Christina if she has a kid that she doesn't want? It will almost kill her. What's interesting on Grey's Anatomy is that we've seen Christina both as a provider of abortion care and as a patient in need of abortion care. Clearly, telling abortion stories on screen is complicated. In shows that have nuance, it's not treated as a black and white, good or bad situation. In a world where abortion rights are a heated political issue, on TV shows, characters are keyed into that reality too. A prime example of this is found on political drama House of Cards. In the first season of the show, political mastermind Claire Underwood, played by Robin Wright, tells her doctor that she's had three abortions. That information isn't public, though. But when a reporter asks her at a press conference about a political opponent's allegation that she's had an abortion, Claire seizes the moment. She says, If I said yes, my husband's political career would be in jeopardy. My faith would be questioned. Likely my life would be threatened. But I won't feel ashamed. Yes, I was pregnant. And yes, I had an abortion. That's a really powerful moment. But because, of course, it's House of Cards, she doesn't tell the whole truth. She figures out how to frame the issue to her best advantage. What they decide to do in the show is say that the, the abortion was for a pregnancy that was the result of a sexual assault. Um, so that's sort of how they frame this as the good abortion. So there's a lot of things going on there. And this is sort of the give and take that I mentioned earlier, right? We see a lot of really interesting things. They're dealing with abortion head on. Um, she's talking about it. She's not embarrassed by it. But at the same time, there's this need to craft the story of what's the good abortion? What's going to be the publicly acceptable abortion um, for her to talk about? In recent years, Gretchen says the biggest change that she has seen in abortion stories and pop culture has to do with one element, comedy. Can abortion be funny? Um, and we saw that with Obvious Child, was out in uh, June of 2014. Oh, my boobs hurt really bad. Maybe you're pregnant. Oh my God. You didn't use a condom with pee for her? <laughs> I remember seeing Kind of, I just don't know like exactly what it did. 
and was this rom-com about getting an abortion uh, and was certainly the first of its kind. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. We saw it on Girls uh, in January of 2015. And Lena Dunham specifically said about that episode that she wanted it to be so different from the typical TV abortion story that viewers at first didn't know what was going on. So in that episode, we see Mimi Rose just sort of mention offhand, like, oh, I can't go for a run today. I had an abortion yesterday, so I just sort of need to take it easy today, right? And this is such a contrast to sort of the agonizing decision-making and, and veiled disclosures that we've seen in the past in popular culture. The most recent TV show with an abortion storyline is actually a comedy, the Netflix animated show BoJack Horseman. The episode of BoJack Horseman that deals with abortion seems like it would be hell for Gretchen's team of sociologists to categorize. BoJack is a very surreal show where human characters and anthropomorphized animals mix and mingle in a bizarro version of Los Angeles. In this episode, human social media consultant Diane becomes unintentionally pregnant. She decides to get an abortion, but then accidentally tweets her decision from the Twitter account of a popular rock star, the no-holds-barred dolphin named Sextina Aquafina, who was inspired by the likes of Kesha and Nicki Minaj. I'll put out a statement explaining the whole mess. I am so sorry. Oh. Oh. What? Oh. Who said you could oh? Taylor Swift just tweeted that you were brave. Nicki Minaj tweeted at you a face with hard eyes. And BuzzFeed just posted a list of top 15 celebrities who should have had abortions like Sextina. Geez, you're trending like crazy. I'm trending? Instead of being scandalized, Sextina decides to spin the news to her advantage, releasing a totally over-the-top abortion-themed pop song. The episode critiques celebrity embrace of empowerment as a marketing plan, but also deals with Diane making a sincere decision about her body and her life. How are you supposed to record all that in a spreadsheet exactly? But Gretchen found the episode to be really interesting. I mean, there were a lot of things going on in that episode. Um, first, there's the idea that she's publicly talking about getting an abortion. I mean, not even just talking about it. Like, she releases this single, uh, you know, about getting an abortion in, like, the most graphic, over-the-top terms. And she's not. She's not getting this idea that um, the publicity of getting an abortion is is not shaming to her, right? That she embraces this, that she's perceived as brave and revolutionary. And I still don't think that most women who are publicly out about their abortion have that as their response to sharing their story. Um, I think, again, there are a lot more women telling their abortion stories. I hope that they are receiving a lot more support as they do so. But you know, what we don't see depicted um, as Sextina is sort of talking about getting this abortion are like the death threats and the backlash. And um, it's one care, it's one fictional dolphin character's story um, that will have parts of it that ring true for real women who are publicly story sharing about their abortion. Um, and then these other parts that are really missing. Even though TV shows and films deal with abortion in a way that's clearly fictional, whether they're starring dolphins or young Patrick Swayze's, the way abortion stories are told in pop culture matters for a real-world understanding of abortion. Now we've seen, just in the past two years, a great uptick in, in real women sharing their abortion stories and, and storytelling. And I think that that is really important. 
but fictional characters can still carry a lot of weight. Thanks to Gretchen Sisson for taking the time to talk with us. In addition to being a sociologist, she's also on the board of Bitch Media. If you're a sociology nerd and want to read the full studies about abortion and pop culture that she's worked on, you can find them on the website for advancing new standards in reproductive health. 